A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. You're listening to Star Wars Beyond the Films, the official expanded universe podcast of StarWarsReport.com. There is a great disturbance in the force. That's right, Whistler. Welcome to episode 122 of Star Wars Beyond the Films, your Star Wars discussion podcast, your ticket to the EU. Our episodes broadcast on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division, at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes can also be found on iTunes, Zune, as well as Stitcher, and right on your own Facebook page at SW Beyond Films. Hey, but enough about how you got here. Let's get this show started. I'm one of your hosts, the defender of the EU, the champion of the multiverse, the bipolar Star Wars fan, Mark Herleman, and with me like the Star Wars legends of old, the legendary EU guru himself, the count of two continuities, Mr. Nathan P. Butler. Well, there you go, folks. It's already starting. Two continuities now. <laughs> I so, said, you know, let's kick this door wide open, you know, let's rip this band-aid right off. Here at Star Wars Beyond the Films, we ask the tough questions. Questions that have bothered you for a long time, or simple ones that have perplexed you off and on. You ponder about Star Wars, and so do we. This episode, we're addressing the long-awaited news about the fate of our beloved EU. Now, consider this your spoiler warning, Beyonders and Sentience of All Ages, because here we go on another adventure beyond the films. That's right, and uh, in case you've been living under a rock, you probably already know uh, at least a little bit about what is happening with Star Wars continuity at this point. Um, just sort of the uh, the background and such here. Uh, from the standpoint of Star Wars continuity, we started out in 1976, actually a few months before A New Hope hit theaters. We got a novelization for A New Hope, uh, then at the time just called Star Wars and that was written by Alan Dean Foster. Very soon thereafter, we got some Marvel comics that were out there, and eventually Del Rey, who did the novelizations, also wound up doing things uh, like Splinter of the Mind's Eye, just a handful, seven original novels, and then two more novelizations. And alongside the Marvel comics, we had the newspaper strips by the LA Times Newspaper Syndicate. Uh, Marvel putting out other things through things like Pizzazz, and in a lot of ways, you could sort of say there really wasn't much of a continuity at least at that time. There was no sense that all those different publishers really meant to have their works connect together uh, all the way up through the Droids and Ewoks star comics and such uh, as they related to the cartoons Droids and Ewoks as we moved towards the end of the 1980s uh, and the last of those really kind of weird uh, 1980s Star Wars publications, the Blackthorn 3D series that was out there. In 1991, we saw the relaunch of this idea of Star Wars as an expanded universe, tales set outside the, the capacity of the films themselves, with, of course, Heir to the Empire and, and Dark 
Empire in novel and comic form, building upon the Star Wars role-playing games, uh, background materials that had kept the saga alive during that very short few years in which there weren't any other publications out there for Star Wars. No comics, no novels, that sort of thing. Uh, eventually, you reach a point where it gets so convoluted, you might say, so much out there, that instead of the idea of canon being simply what is in continuity or what is out, which at the time literally was just a pair of lists, you instead had to sort of delineate things. And that is where Leland Chi came in with the Holocron Continuity Database. And the idea was that you had different levels of canon. It became very, very complex. You had the idea that there were George Lucas's films, and I guess the newest version of the films at any given time, which right now are the 2011 Blu-ray cuts of all of the different uh, live-action films. And that was G-level canon. Beneath that... Uh, the things that were meant to fit in continuity when it came to the books and comics and video games and such were C canon, continuity canon. And that was what we thought of as sort of the Star Wars timeline. That George's canon, uh, that was, of course, uh, that was what made the most difference. That was a thing that could not be violated. But then this was the stuff, the C canon, was the stuff that made up an overall universe that you could follow and purchase a lot um, to be able to follow an ever-expanding Star Wars saga. There was S-canon, secondary canon, which is sort of the questionable stuff that may be in canon, maybe not, just the stuff that, you know, needed to be referenced in something else and clarified to see whether or not it could be brought in. Lots of times these were things like old RPG magazine articles and the like. And then you had your stuff that was straight up not in continuity, whether on purpose or by accident, which was sort of in canon or non-canon. Eventually keep saying eventually, as time went on, we get to 2008 with the launch of the Clone Wars cartoon series. And the Clone Wars cartoon series was a unique beast at the time in that it was something that was not entirely done by Lucas, but done very much at his direction, more so than anything else that we had seen in Star Wars up to that point, except the live-action films. That became T, or television, canon. So heading into the last few days, we had this Huge saga, massive numbers of novels, comics, video games. We got some old cartoons and such and all that. Uh, all wrapped around the films and the Clone Wars cartoon series, which by itself had sort of reintroduced Lucas into Star Wars or into an era of Star Wars, which he had originally put off limits that turned out not so much to be off limits for a while. And then he went back into it anyway, kind of smashing through things like the bull in the china shop in many respects. Um, it's been a very long road as things have, have sort of developed and shifted over the course of, I mean, shoot, what, almost 40 years at this point, if you go all the way back to Foster's novelization. Um, as of this weekend, that structure does not cease to exist per se. As of this weekend and the announcement that has come out, um, that is all essentially relegated to a separate continuity, an alternate timeline that is not where they're going to go forward from here. With the sequel movies coming and with Rebels coming to free up storytelling possibilities and to be able to have complete freedom uh, and not be beholden to anything that previously exists or really to drop a bomb into it kind of like the Clone Wars did. Instead, what they have said is that, okay, there is essentially this new timeline 
They're going to be developing, using the story group to weave it all together so that everything is of the same validity, the same canon, so to speak, rather than having different levels of it. And the way that's going to work is that you're going to have the live-action films, the prequels, the original trilogy, and the sequel trilogy that is coming, plus any other films Disney puts out, like the little spin-off ones, plus the Clone Wars that was Lucas-influenced heavily, and Rebels. They're going to be the basis of this new continuity, and this is where they are now directing their relaunch of the publishing line, where they're going to direct uh, the Marvel comics and such as they come out, and where only one Dark Horse comic series is going to wind up fitting, which is Son of Dathomir, the one based off of unused scripts from Clone Wars Season 6. But nothing, at least at this point, of the previously published materials within what we think of as the expanded universe will be allowed to be part of this, including some of the last handful of Dark Horse comic stories that aren't out yet, like Rebel Heist, but which were in production prior to this cutoff, so to speak, where we split the two universes. This has caused a huge, huge uproar within fandom, some positive, some negative, um, lots of folks being excited to start at the ground floor of something new, and a whole lot of folks at the same time saying, for instance, uh, I will never buy another Star Wars book ever, ever, ever again. Um, while their beloved continuity, or our beloved continuity that's been going on since 1976, that is now being given the title of Legends, Star Wars Legends, uh, so that if and when anything from that continuity is still kept in print, it will be easy for anyone buying Star Wars books to be able to tell whether it's part of this new continuity or something tied into the old, such as uh, Heir to the Empire getting the Legends title or Death Troopers getting the Legends title up top, though we have not seen that in relation to the Dark Horse stuff, which probably won't matter because... Marvel doesn't have the rights to reprint the Dark Horse stuff anyway unless they want to buy all the original images of the pages from Dark Horse. That's kind of a recap of where we are as of uh, now in relation to the past. I mean, it definitely makes things easy for the timeliners. I mean, at the moment of this podcast, canon is right now the films and the Clone Wars. I mean, hey, it's pretty easy to jump on and get it right and go from there. I like that aspect. I, you know... I, I have a hard time not calling it D canon, you know, moving forward. I mean, we had the G level canon. Why not a Disney canon? I mean, you know, Disney is the ultimate George Lucas now, so why not? I mean, canon, it is the canon. D canon. I don't know. Because there's this whole back and forth. I mean, yeah, we're going to start calling it Legends, but at the same time, now that there's no longer an expanded universe, it's still the EU. I mean, even though we're calling it Legends on the book covers and stuff like that on any of the books that may get republished, it, it, to me it's, it strikes more as the ultimate uh, Spider-Man universe, the ultimate uh, universe that Marvel has. Uh, you know, this is what I've been hoping for. I've been hoping for that kind of clean break where, you know, we'd, we'd said before where maybe if it sits off to the side, you know, in this holding pattern, and the new universe, this, you know, the D canon kind of kicks off and establishes itself with the new books. I mean, you know, you mentioned Sons of Dathomir by Jeremy Barlow. That's coming out May 21st of this year. Uh, A New Dawn by John Jackson Miller comes out September 2nd of this year. Tarkin by James Lucino comes out November of 2014. Heir to the Jedi by Kevin Hearn comes out January 2015. Uh, this was once the third Empire and Rebellion novel, which I thought was kind of funny. You know, I mean, they, they fittingly dumped the series title as we went along, and now it kind of makes sense as to why. And then lastly, we're going to have uh, Lords of the Sith by Paul S. Kemp, March 
2015. Now, what I noticed, though, about this, Nathan, is that each of these books, once we hit September, they're coming out two months apart. I mean, it's almost like a ramping up to the way things were before the buyout, in a sense. And, I mean, I like that. that that's a, a really cool aspect of it. And as these books kind of set on a new dominance of this new universe, it to me, it's not too far-fetched down the road, maybe by episode seven, maybe episode nine, probably closer to. But, you know, we've had books like Sword of the Jedi announced, and they're put in that hold pattern, the the quasi-canceled. You know, we know that they're going to be coming, and that would be a perfect time to relaunch the Legends title. I mean, because they're showing books like, you know, Heir to the Empire and uh, uh, Crucible and, you know, these new books that are just you know, coming out in their paperback versions, having the Legends title, Kenobi being one and stuff. So, you know, you know they're going to be publishing some of these as reprints, as the demand, as they put it, as the demand as it necessitates there. And to me, it's like, you know, if enough people are demanding Sword of the Jedi, you know, I, I would think that down the road, it would just make sense to kick that other universe going. I mean, you know, people accused Lucas before of being one of those, you know, milking it like a cash cow. And they think the same thing of Disney. If they were truly out to milk the cash cow, then having two universes going at the same time would be a good way to do it. You know, I, let me see if I can sort of split my my thoughts here to a couple things that you said. Uh, first, just to start with the whole uh, uh, what to hope for, what not to hope for, at least originally. Um, and I've been one who kind of over time, uh, you've probably heard on this show or uh, possibly Republic Forces Radio Network, but mostly on this show, uh, kind of how my stance has tended to become when it came to the Clone Wars. It went from Oh, this is all horrible. I can't believe they're going to do this, which is something that came up, I guess, back on the Butt Learniverse and such as Clone Wars was just starting. And then, wow, I can't believe they got rid of the previous continuity for this or that they are they are shaking it up for this to eventually becoming kind of okay with either of them being all right um, to the point where, in a lot of ways, uh, the, the adventurousness and the way it feels so Star Wars-y at times of the Clone Wars cartoon series makes me think, you know, if I had to choose between that and the original version of the Clone Wars, I'd be okay with either and might even lean, especially based on the last couple of seasons of Clone Wars, towards the Clone Wars cartoon. And uh, that sort of had me in the mindset of having to already start to think of things as possibly alternate continuities anyway. Now, Leland Chi has said, um, of course, for a long time, that the idea was not to divide into separate continuities, at least um, prior to this point, when it came to any previous contradictions, including the Clone Wars cartoons, versus the other stuff that had come before. So we assume there must be a way for it all to fit together or to mush it together, but no answer would be forthcoming on that, and it seems like no answer will ever be forthcoming on that at this point, that that's sort of uh, a dead issue left behind as part of the, uh, the intricacies and the problems that do exist within the Legends timeline, if you want to call it that. Um, meanwhile, though, we had the prospect of Rebels coming. And what is that going to mean for something like the Force Unleashed? And, you know, will a Corellian Treaty still exist? Will Starkiller still have any kind of role in the formation of the Rebel Alliance? Will the symbol have anything at all to do with the Merrick family crest and so forth? Probably not for many of those. Um, if the sequel trilogy is going to be 30 years after Return of the Jedi, or 34 years uh, after the Battle of Yavin, then what happens at that point uh, to the ending of, say, New Jedi Order. What happens to Dark Nest? Yeah, get rid of that thing. Uh, what happens to Millennium Falcon or 
uh, the Legacy of the Force stuff, or Fate of the Jedi, or Legacy, or Crucible, etc., etc., you know, what happens to all these stories? And really, there were only a handful of possibilities of what could have been done. I mean, they could have basically come in and said, well, we're going to make it all fit with the EU, which would have made a lot of people happy, but at the same time would have very much tied their hands in terms of storytelling and would have meant that probably as they produce these new films, there's a lot of stuff they would have to heavy-handedly explain to the audience. You know, how do you explain 20-plus years of different events happening uh, when these weren't seen on screen? These were things that, while a lot of people read them, the Star Wars Expanded Universe was hugely successful. At the same time, a massive number of theater-goers to go see the movies would have no idea what they were talking about, no idea what they were dealing with, and have to be caught up very quickly. Uh, talk about an opening crawl that might take you 20 minutes. So um, there was that aspect, which is make it all beholden to the EU. They were never, ever going to do that. Um, even when they started talking about the story group, the idea, really that could work for the films too, was pretty unlikely. You could have the exact opposite, which is the path that they have taken, um, which is something that I have advocated for a while, at least when it came to how do you deal with the Clone Wars. Ironically, that is the one clash, the one big clash that is not being directly separated because uh, at this point, from what we understand, the Clone Wars is still considered part of the Legends timeline. It existed while the legend stuff was being produced, and it is the basis for certain things that have to happen in Fate of the Jedi. It's referenced repeatedly in different resources, and don't forget, the Clone Wars television series tie-in novels and comics are also now legends. Okay. So, I had said, well, well, maybe they'll just take it and build everything off of the films and Clone Wars, and that's it. And maybe that's what they could do for the sequel trilogy so that it's something where uh, they don't have to worry about previously existing canon, but they're also not smashing through anything. They're just making a separate timeline. That is what they are doing at this point um, with this new story group-driven uh, new canon, D canon, Disney canon, whatever you want to call it. There isn't really a name for it at this point because there's nothing to delineate it from at this point other than Legends. There's simply the canon and Legends now as opposed to it being different levels within this new one. Okay. Uh, the other option would have been to do what they did with the prequels and do what they did with the Clone Wars, uh, which is to basically say, yeah, there's all this previous continuity, but we're going to do something entirely different, entirely unexpected. Boom, here you go, and drop a nuke into its era of continuity and simply start picking and choosing and cutting things, some in, some out, take a scalpel to this, take a wrecking ball to that, and you'd wind up with a publishing line in tatters, where you had some things allowed to be there, some things not. Oh, here's all this setup for this stuff early on in these books, but the books where it all pays off, sorry, it's gone. Like, for instance, here's Rogue Planet. It's in a safe time period. It's okay, but nope, now we got to remove New Jedi Order, so the whole point of having Verger in Rogue Planet and all, that no longer exists. You know, oh, here's all this stuff building up Darth Crate. Well, maybe these flashbacks with him becoming Darth Crate early on can happen, because they're before the sequel trilogy cutoff point, but the payoff in the Legacy comic series, well, it can't be there. You either have an all approach, a nothing approach, or a let's smash through it and make chaos all over again, like Clone Wars approach. And frankly, as a timeliner over the years, having done the Star Wars Timeline Project, Star Wars Timeline Gold, since 1997, and following continuity even before then, 
that smashing through approach was already done too often. And I was kind of hoping that would not be the case. So to me, while there's a lot to be lamented in saying that there is an end to the original expanded universe, um, at least it's now still one whole, except for the Clone Wars era where things were all screwed up. At least it is now still one cohesive whole, one cohesive universe. That is its timeline, and it is not being shattered and broken. It's dropping in importance, but it's not being shattered and destroyed. Meanwhile, you've got this new continuity with lots of possibilities, and you have... Uh, I mean, look at the people who are involved. I don't know Kevin Hearn for anything, okay? Um... But James Luceno, John Jackson Miller, and Paul S. Kemp are some highly praised Star Wars writers. And they are part of this relaunch. Jeremy Barlow, who's written some of the more thoughtful old Clone Wars stories, doing Son of Dathomir. Great guy to bring in for that. Um, I am hopeful for what is coming, and I like the fact that they have decided to make a clean break instead of muddying the waters instead of coming in and just shattering bits of continuity here and there and trying to pretend as if it can all fit because it wouldn't yeah. to your second point though the whole idea of well as long as the legends line is going to be going to be out there they could revisit it and develop things like sword of the jedi i have zero hope that is going to happen i have no belief whatsoever no reason to believe that any previously canceled stuff previously on hold stuff will ever be produced that we will ever once we get beyond the current contracts and such and the stuff that is already in the pipeline, that we will ever see stories building this. Once we get done with uh, uh, the new pilot stories in Star Wars Insider, once we get done uh, with reprints of stuff like Crucible and whatnot, uh, once we get done with the ongoing Star Wars comic series right now, except for Son of Dathomir, once Dark Horse and its license is gone, um, I see absolutely no reason for them to go back when they could be producing new stuff to excite new readers. Uh, it would be as if they would go through and say, hey, here's these old Marvel comic stories that didn't get told. We're going to go back and create a new Marvel comics it's series um, based off you know, the, the Dark Horse era, you know, Dark Horse going back and do that. They yeah, weren't going to do that. I, I don't see... Didn't Transformers and G.I. Joe do something similar to that, though, where they just picked up right where they left off? They did, and it was done decades after the fact. We're talking about... Uh, uh, the G.I. Joe, a real American hero series picking yeah. up from where Marvel left off and regeneration one of Transformers. But even then, that's decades later, and it's it was less because of um, the, the way that the current continuity was going, but more just sort of a, wow, there's so much nostalgia for this, we will. I mean, I, well, I guess, that's kind of where I'm coming say. from with it. I mean, for me, I look at, you know, you've got Delta Squad Sniper 7 from the video game, his story gone don't know what's going on with that you've got clan scarada what's going on with darman and niner that was never told boba fett struggles as mandalore jag hell uh becoming the emperor you know not just the sword of the jedi series which we've mentioned but Jaden core you know paulus camp he's going to be part of the new uh lineup of authors and stuff but he hooked me with what was going on with Jaden core i would love to know what's going on with that you know you got ben skywalker uh you've got Hondo car, you've got the dagger of Mortis. I mean, there's so many different little plot elements that I could think of that that just weren't answered that 
you know, I would think given enough time, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic here, but maybe there'd be enough demand that something like that down the road would happen. I mean, I don't see it happening anytime soon. You know, I mean, let me be clear about that. But but maybe a decade down the road or something, you know, I, I did. Like I said, Disney seems to be a smart enough cookie that, you know, if Spider-Man can have two ongoing series where you've got Miles Morales because Parker's dead and you got another one with Parker and they're both running. I mean, it seems like a, it's a no brainer. I just I don't see them doing it because at that point I mean remember what their reason was for not originally intending to do Imperial Commando two and actually part of why you don't have an Imperial Commando two you have Aaron Alston doing Mercy Kill instead which was well it's been so long we don't know that anyone be, would be able to come back and pick it up I mean it, there's a difference between saying here's the old Transformers comics which was eighty issues plus G.I. Joe versus Transformers, plus their movie adaptation, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there, there was basically about 100 comics, give or take, but it was one line by one publisher, and now we're going to pick up where that left off, versus there's all these novels, comics, and short stories, and video games and stuff out there, and oh, hey, by the way, I know it's been 10 or 15 years since the last time you saw anything in this, but now here's some stories that come from it. I, I just do not see that. I mean, they can't even get Firefly to return beyond the, the new Serenity comics. Uh, oh, and they've been cold, trying man. that You had that to go there, ages. didn't you? You just um, turn in the knife. But no, I, I, do not see, I do not see that happening. I feel like uh, they are ready to turn the page and lock it down. And part of that, actually, um, their approach is now very different. The story group is now meant to coordinate all of this stuff. You'd almost have to have a separate story group or just say, screw it, do what you want, if you wanted somebody <laughs> to then go in and write more stuff. For Legends. So we got a handful of things still on the way, but it's all stuff kind of just kind of hanging there as far as that goes. And speaking of changes to approach, this is something um, as of this morning, um, we got we got a lot of, uh, of confirmation or I guess uh, clarity on certain things from Jennifer Heddle of Delray um, when it came to her Twitter posts and Twitter questions that she was answering uh, right on the heels of this announcement. Uh, there were a couple of things that hadn't directly been addressed, uh, one of them being, what about the Fantasy Flight Games materials? Because you got this card game, the, the Star Wars LCG, living card game. You've got the RPG out there that is just now launching the Age of Rebellion uh, line of their three-line Star Wars RPG line. And you've got the X-Wing Miniatures game. And while the RPG, to a degree, touches on old EU stuff like Centerpoint Station, there's not a lot that they've worked in there that is heavily continuity referenced. Um, aside from, you know, you know, two years ago we introduced this new blaster pistol kind of thing, you know, the technology-based stuff. Um, but the X-Wing miniatures have a new line coming up or a new wave coming up that is basically um, almost all EU-based, uh, or at least all stuff that started in the EU, though something like the Z-95 Headhunter has shown up now in the Clone Wars and such. Um, they've got previous pilots from the EU, Kyle Katarn's ship, the Moldy Crow was from the EU, and the card game uses characters like Kyle Katarn, Dash Rindar, Mara Jade. And it's sort of the question of, well, wait a second, um, according to Heddle, anything being produced by Fantasy Flight Games will only be allowed from here on to have stuff in that mode that is something that we want to, that they want to make into part of that new canon, um, this new Disney continuity, this new timeline that they are putting together, and the question was, okay, well, does that mean that some of the stuff they've already got in production that might use those types of characters that's still coming out uh, that was before this announcement that they are going to be 
Legends, is it all going to be Legends? Is there going to be a, a delineation somewhere? Where is the breaking point that we don't know exactly how Fantasy Flight Games is going to be dealt with because they don't have a clean break in sight in any of the materials that they have? So I emailed Leland Chi, and this is something I've slowly been able to do over time. Okay, we talked some on the old official site message boards and such when people were asking questions on the Holocon thread and everything. Um, and I guess it was it wasn't even after writing the story for Tales because that was more working with Jeremy Barlow directly. Um, but after that, uh, I had a chance to work with Jason Fry uh, directly, Dan Wallace kind of tangentially to create some of those dates for the Essential Atlas, uh, setting the in-universe calendar date for Return of the Jedi. Um, setting a lot of the dates as far as uh, the Thrawn trilogy battles and that sort of thing. Um, and that had to go back and forth as far as, as corrections and, and uh, clarifications with Leland Chi. And I guess since then, just this line of communication developed that allowed me from time to time, if we ran into something that was an issue, like the dating of Dawn of the Jedi being screwed up in the comics, I could email and say, hey, here's you know something that's popped up as an issue, uh, or here's something that's not clear, can you provide some clarity? Sometimes he could, sometimes he couldn't. With Star Wars Volume 2, for instance, he couldn't. Um, with a lot of stuff like the Dawn of the Jedi stuff, he certainly could. But um, I emailed about the Fantasy Flight game stuff, and there is now a change at Lucasfilm with regard to interaction with fans. He is no longer allowed to, and I'm assuming this is something that's okay to, to share, that he and anyone else, really, um, is apparently no longer allowed to answer fan inquiries with regard to continuity without it being approved by and going through the PR department, the public relations department. Ooh. So, I mean, he thanked me, you know, for the support in all of this and, and uh, as they enjoy the previous conversations about, you know, the timelines and everything but that he pretty much can't do anything. Now, that line of communication is closed, and I, I wonder if he's even going to be able to do anything with that Holocron Keeper Facebook page other than just post and not be able to respond to posts at this point. So there's definitely a sea change behind the scenes, but I don't see a sea change coming um, that's going to keep the Legends line active. That certainly feels a lot more like you know, Del Rey at one point just saying, hey, we're going to put back into print, um, you know, the old Han Solo, Lando, and Splinter of the Minds I booked and just slap classic Star Wars on the name. Or um, we're going to reprint the old newspaper strips uh, by Dark through Dark Horse and call them classic Star Wars. I just really do not see the Legends line having the abilities to survive. The All the energies are and probably should be at this point focused on this new publishing line and making it as cohesive and as strong as possible. Um, it's about the only thing they can do from a business standpoint, from the standpoint of uh, of really making sure this gets off on the right foot. So where do you think then this leaves Imperial Handbook? Uh, you know, that, that new Imperial one that's in the line of the uh, Jedi Path and the Book of Sith and the Bounty Hunters Code. I mean, that I would assume, I mean, that, that seems so trivial of a, of a book to have to, you know, not put out now. Well, I'd, I'd say that it's, it's probably going to come out. I'm just saying it's – I would imagine that'll be Legends. It's not something being produced under this new line. It looks like from the novel standpoint, the delineation point um, is September of this year because that is when they talk about the first novel that's going to be part of this new timeline, so to speak, being 
Um, Star Wars A New Dawn by John Jackson Miller focused on the characters and the background of them um, from Star Wars Rebels. And then we've got... Well, and Sons of Dathomir comes out in May, though. But they but they said that Sons of Dathomir is a unique instance because it is based on Clone Wars, which I guess is a good time now. There, there were six clarifications I was able to get or glean going through the details of what uh, Jennifer Heddle put out there, which may help us kind of direct certain things here. Um, one was that, uh, yes, and I'm just, I'm taking these directly from my Star Wars Timeline Gold page. There's a lot of conversation in general about this on our page for Beyond the Films. I try to keep the heavy continuity and uh, chronological stuff on the Timeline Gold page. So if you want to follow this or any other issues with this, it's facebook.com slash SWTimelineGold. Um, and yes, that project is continuing. We can talk about how it affects us directly as we get towards the end of the episode here. Uh, but the clarifications, and I posted them on there. Uh, one, yes, the idea of all previous Expanded Universe stuff being Legends now and therefore not part of this new canon slash timeline being created does include pre-Return of the Jedi stuff too. It is everything but the films, Clone Wars, and Rebels. In other words, there was some some lack of clarity in the original press release making people think that maybe this was just for post-Return of the Jedi. It is not. It is all EU. Uh, Even the novelizations, correct? It seems to be even the novelizations. Heddle couldn't say for certain, but it seems as though that is the case, um, particularly given the fact that they were just announcing how they got the new ones coming, though the new ones are more kids' book type things. Um, plus, I mean, they're they're very out of date. Anyway, either way, they were always it was always that the newest version of the films trumped any previous version, which trumped the novelization, which trumped the radio dramas when it came to continuity anyway. So it's not like their, their existence makes that much of a difference, with the exception of something like mm. Revenge of the Sith, which... It's going to be sad to see go because Stover's novelization was so awesome. Um, two out of the six. Uh, Heir to the Jedi by uh, Hearn is currently not to be considered Air, uh, Empire and Rebellion number three since books one and two, Razor's Edge and Honor Among Thieves, the latter which didn't even have that title on the book cover, though it did on the inside of the book, um, are now both legends. Uh, while Heir to the Jedi will be canonical in the new timeline. So there is a delineation there. That series, that trilogy, so to speak, that loose trilogy, is no longer a trilogy. Consider it sort of a duology and a standalone book. I, I just consider it standalones. I always thought it was a mistake to call it a series. It never it acted like a series. It didn't take itself serious like a series. It was always standalones. They made a mistake going with the title they did. And one of them was good and the other one sucked. Just saying. Um, I do like, it's interesting that the new one, Heir to the Jedi, is going to be in first person from Luke's perspective. Reminds me of iJedi. Um, Ooh. Uh, let's see. Three. The upcoming Son of Dathomir comics will be considered canonical since they're based on the Clone Wars scripts. That is what makes them unique. But it's not just, I mean, it's the fact that they're based on those Clone Wars scripts that makes a difference. It's not Lucas's involvement uh, in the original story that makes a difference because uh one of the other things that that we're shocked by is to find that, for instance, the Darth Plagueis novel is gone just like the rest of it. It's Legends now, too, which kind of makes sense because of how tied in it was to other continuity. But that was something Lucas had some uh, involvement in. Um, so four, yes, the wipe does include even the Darth Plagueis novel. And we can assume also uh, the Tartakovsky Clone Wars micro series, droids, Ewoks, etc., um, there hasn't been any real focus on determining if any of the older cartoons will have any chance of being considered uh, the way that Clone Wars and Rebels will be, but they have always been, uh, at least in the old continuity, or Legends continuity, they had been considered to be something um, that was C-canon, not T-canon, on par with the books and comics, not on par with Clone Wars or the upcoming Rebels. Therefore, we simply have to assume um, that they are gone 
as well. And by the way, I guess I should clarify that um, uh, this being the clean break time for the timelines, this in theory also means the sequel trilogy and even Rebels are not part of the Legends timeline. This alternate timeline that all the previous EU has become is simply essentially stopping. Um, Rebels does not have the power to overwrite anything from that theoretically because it is part of this new continuity, not at all part of the other continuity because the other continuity essentially is being locked down. And then number five, Fantasy Flight Games is affected in the sense that they appear to not be allowed to create new materials that reference anything they don't want to be considered canonical under this new timeline. Uh, there's no word as of yet on at what point Fantasy Flight Games materials will see a cutoff between Legends versus Canon, if there is such a cutoff, as I mentioned. And then finally six, yes, Rebel Heist, despite not being out yet, is to be Legends, not Canon. Uh, the only comic series thus far to be considered canon is the aforementioned Son of Dathomir. So we did get some clarity, uh, but there were things that she ran into, like, you know, some of the games and that sort of thing, um, that there was just a question of, you know, she just wasn't certain um, on certain things mm -hmm. because she was not someone heavily versed or, or, or heavily invested in, you know, the Fantasy Flight games. Like she was speaking from the perspective mostly of Del Rey, um, but knew uh, about the comic issues no pun intended as well to be able to speak to that you get the feeling that they're kind of going in and cleaning up the crooked house that lucas built i mean uh scott shannon the svp uh publisher delray and digital content guy he uh, mentions you know we're extremely proud of the hundreds of amazing star wars books we published at delray and now we're excited to finally be able to call our upcoming novels true canon a single cohesive Star Wars storyline, all while keeping the amazing backlist of Star Wars legend content in print. But, you know, I get that feeling like even when the video was going down, it was like, you know, the, they're so happy that everything finally counts. And it's like it could have always counted had George let it. Yeah, but see, that was a thing. It's that from a logical standpoint, you really couldn't have done anything else previously, at least in, in my perspective, because Lucas... As the creator of the saga, everything that existed was essentially at his sufferance. He allowed it to exist, but it, he wasn't beholden to it. He could do pretty much whatever he wanted. And as long as he was coming in producing new things in any era, even close to eras in which there were already books and comics, there would be changes that would have to be made. I mean, Clone Wars is the perfect example of this because it comes in and absolutely shatters the living crap out of the continuity, the intricately set up continuity that was created between 2002 and 2008 of the Clone Wars era, of those three years. But we saw the same thing with the prequels. I mean, not quite as much with some of it, but we had our notions of, you know, the idea that the Clone Wars was Jedi versus clones becoming Jedi uh, with clones mm -hmm. alongside them. Uh, we had the idea of Jedi not being able to marry coming out of nowhere. Um, the well, you know, as far as Force Ghosts, they don't all die and necessarily turn into Force Ghosts. And oh, by the way, lightsaber colors are limited to red, green, and blue, unless you're Samuel L. Jackson. Um, and they had to somehow retcon these things to make it all fit. Star Wars has, in many ways, always been a scramble to do that with the Lucas-produced things. Um, so unless he stopped, there was never going to be the ability to have that sort of cohesive whole here. And in this case... There is a stop, in a sense, to him producing something, but now you've got new stuff coming from Disney that will wind up superseding everything else again in eras where it is guaranteed to overwrite things. So what do you do? You either mm -hmm. let that happen and you have to uh, piece 
the pieces back together, you have to shatter it from looking like the Mona Lisa to looking like something Picasso put together where it's all kind yeah. of patchwork. Um, or you have to make that that clean break. But un- unless the saga, as far as, as new films and such, were to stop, I mean, if it was just new novels and comics, yes, they could have kept it as one whole and just kept it going. But it's well, so at it. nature is the issue. Yeah, I'm not so looking at like, you know, anymore like they should have kept it, you know. I mean, I, I'm okay with where they went, but I look at it more like, you know, the story group now is Lucas. And the only difference here is this Lucas, the story group, actually cares about the books, the comics, and the games lining up with the films and his TV show. And and in that regard, it kind of leaves you with that feeling like, you know, Star Wars's chaos and all of this fell on him. I mean, he allowed it to get so bad by not caring. And had he cared like they're hopefully going to care. I mean, that, that, I, that's kind of what I get is is that, that they're really going to care and that they're all really super excited about the fact that this is all counting. This is no longer going to be one of those situations where fans are going to go, oh, well, the books don't count. You know, I mean, in this case, it's almost like for those that hated the books and the video games and all that kind of stuff, it's like they're kind of entering a world of hell because now the story is going to be told in those formats and there's going to be bits and pieces that they're not going to know unless they go out and get that format. It's like, welcome to my world. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead kind of stuff right now with uh, the EU haters. But yeah, the what we have all along thought of as expanded universe, the licensed Star Wars spinoff materials. Going forward, the new licensed spinoff materials will be just as canonical, supposedly, as Rebels and as the films. Now, do I believe that if there's a contradiction between a film and a novel that they're going to say, well, that's just the way it is. Uh, the novel can beat the the film because it came out first or something crazy like that? No. I mean, but they're going to try to keep things uh, uh, consistent. The story group, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, people have been saying, well, the story group, isn't that pretty much just what Leland Chi was doing only with more people? No. Or what the, they, the story conference... Well, and it's not even really what the story conferences were doing, though, because the story conferences, say, with Dark Horse um, or with uh, uh, Del Rey about things like the New Jedi Order of Fate of the Jedi, tend to be planning ahead for their line, but not necessarily for every line at the same time. Um, and at this, and you also had Leland Chi there, but Leland Chi, and this is something that a lot of times folks didn't get. He was not an editor. He is not someone who, when a book was being put together, a comic was put together, would be sent a script and have to read the entire thing and give all of his continuity notes and send it back. Now, that may have happened from time to time. Maybe would say Darth Plagueis, but that is not something that was happening constantly. Instead, you've got the editors at Dark Horse editing their stuff, the editors at Del Rey editing their stuff, and if a continuity question arose during the process of either side, then they would send him a message or call him up and say, hey, what about this or what about that? Kind of the way that I was with the email. Um, and he would fix things as best he could and try to you know, fix these glaring issues if they popped up. But a lot of times it was left to him to scramble to retcon things because something would see print that never went past him in the first place. And then he had to come up with a way to say, okay, well, here's the way we're going to explain that away or – Here's kind of a way to explain it away, and maybe in a future publication we'll create something where that can be mentioned, and therefore we can add that you know, patch to the cracking wall uh, sometime in the future within the actual continuity. But he was not you – know, he's not the guy sitting back there and directing the ship, and neither was Lucas. Lucas was directing 
his ship, and it was smashing through a bunch of the smaller ones, <laughs> like the little uh, uh, little motorboats being smashed in the, the, the early moments, or I guess the, the first quarter or so of uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. But there hasn't yet been people sitting back who had their hands in all of these, including the films, to say, we are going to make this consistent. How can we link this together? And that requires a lot more planning ahead of time because they have to know, okay, if we want to do such and such someday in Rebels, we better not touch it here. Or if we are, we better only hint at it. Um, as opposed to it being, wow, someday in Clone Wars, we're going to make the Mandalorians this pacifistic culture because they get their butts kicked at one point by the Jedi, and it's the warriors who are sort of the outcasts. Uh, so we better not touch the Mandalorian culture otherwise. Instead, it was, hey, here's Mandalorian culture. Isn't all this stuff cool? Oh, crap, something new is coming. How do we find a way to shoehorn it in and make it so that everything we've done is not invalidated? In a lot of ways, this new continuity is back to the original continuity approach um, of the expanded universe circa 1990s, which yeah. is something is in or it's out. If it's out, they don't have to make it mesh with anything, but you're going to know that it's not continuity. If it's in, then they are actually going to take the time to make sure that it all lines up. And in a lot of ways, that's the way you could have done it in the early days of the, uh, the what's now the Legends continuity, um, because there was just a handful of things out there. But you may even recall, even the first two had to be shoehorned. Dark Empire wasn't meant to take place after Heir to the Empire at first. But Zahn was not willing to go through and take Dark Empire into account when writing Heir to the Empire, so they wound up reworking Dark Empire to take place after Heir to the Empire. That's why the beginning opening crawl and stuff is there in Dark Empire about, well, after Thrawn's defeat, uh, the Imperials took back Coruscant, blah, blah, blah. Because it wasn't meant to happen after they already had Coruscant. It was meant to be something kind of like the battle for Coruscant and take place prior to the Thrawn trilogy, but Zahn wasn't willing to do that. Um, so there were already shoehorns even back in the early days. I'd like to think that with the story group now, especially with people who are on it like Chi and Pablo Hidalgo, that this is the moment that Star Wars continuity going forward does what we had hoped that the original EU would be and more. But the price mm -hmm. to pay for that is that the old continuity has to be jettisoned. The question isn't, man... Should it have been kicked out or not? It's, would you rather they have kicked it out and have a clean slate to be able to build from that will be consistent and your old continuity remains consistent but just an alternate timeline or would you rather them have made something that could never be truly internally fully consistent and at the same time shatter things so that only some of the books are in, some of the books are out and it's even more of a barrier for new readers. I think the former is the choice that most intellectually honest Star Wars fans would feel, even if they don't agree with it fully, and they are sad about the loss of the original continuity, would at least say is the most logical course of action for them to take. Well, like, you know, characters like Coran Horn and Gana Riso, you know, Anakin Solo, Jaina Solo, characters that we want to see come in, you know, if they decide to bring in those names or, you know, or give the characters a new backstory and things like that, that'd be cool. I mean, Quinlan Voss made it to canon, you know, in that same regard, I kind of see him going yeah, forward but, that yeah, way. But, but Quinlan Voss's personality didn't make it into canon. Yeah, but, but I, and I get that too, but that, that's just an example of how they can be different, but I, it opens up that aspect that I think The Walking Dead has done very well 
well. You know, you have characters and situations that are completely different than the comic universe that was there. And then when you are somebody who's seen the TV show and then you discover the comics for the first time, it is like a whole new world of candy for you. Uh, you know, and I'm the opposite. Like me and my friend Brian, we've read the comics and we're watching the TV show just going ape. And we've got our other friends that are just watching the TV show that are just starting to read the comics and they're going ape. And I mean, it's just we can't get enough of it. And that's, you know, in that regard, like. I could see them working with that, you know, taking, of course, mainly the, the vehicles, the planets, the locations, things like that, you know, the basic easy stuff that's not going to really confuse people. But down the road, you know, it wouldn't be too far-fetched for me to see an Imperial hand walking through the Imperial Qu Inquisitor halls or something and her looking like Mara Jade and them never naming her or something like that. Or maybe down the road, you know, giving her a name or, you know, but having that character be... You know, nothing like the other character, you know, kind of like how Battlestar Galactica, they're reimagining and stuff. I mean, you know, take, ex for example, you know, the new X-Men movie, like the way they're using time travel to kind of do what Star Trek did. I mean, in a lot of ways, they could do the same thing like what we've been getting with Lucas with the Clone Wars, just taking those elements and bring them in. So in a lot of ways, it's kind of like there's nothing different in the approach. But again, getting back to that feeling of, you know, the story group is going to make sure to go out of their way to make sure that everything counts. I think that what bothers people is just that this is a, an unusual position for Star Wars to be in. I mean, this, the idea of having one cohesive continuity at all was exciting in the 90s originally because it hadn't been done before for Star Wars. And it wasn't something we saw a lot in sci-fi publishing as a whole. Um, and we use the example of, say, Transformers, but and with Transformers, you've got, and I'm not even going to touch even remotely all of them, but you've got the Generation 1 cartoons in the U.S., right? So it's seasons one, two, three, and four, and the movie is also in there too. But then there's that, and you got to add in uh, Beast Wars and Beast Machines, and that's one continuity. But wait, in Japan, it's seasons one, two, and three, and you got what? Headmasters, Master Force, Victory Zone. Uh, Convoy. There's yeah, there's a separate one for um, uh, robots in disguise, and hey, now there's this one with Armada. And, uh, and it's two follow-up series and so forth. Energon. <laughs> and there's sort of this, this sense of, well, that's just the way it is. You know, it's a franchise that creates different interpretations of it. And over time, those timelines get fleshed out. And while it's confusing oftentimes at first for new fans, there really isn't any real continuity confusion afterwards when it comes to it. Like, nobody's thinking, well, wait a second. Why is Optimus Prime acting like this in... Uh, Star Wars Cybertron, you know, the third of the Armada series, when what he was doing before in Generation 1 was this. Or, you know, why is he doing this in the Michael Bay films amidst all the explosions and chaos and everything and slow motion shots? Uh, why is he doing this in those films when I saw this other thing on Robots in Disguise or read this other thing in the Marvel comics and so forth, or the Dreamwave comics? Um... It's, we didn't expect that kind of cohesive continuity from that, so that's not the way it played out. Um, and we got other sagas where there, there is continuity confusion because you have things like in this case where you've got Clone Wars and the live-action films that play into both of these continuities, uh, old and new. Um, you got stuff like the Highlander franchise. Well, does this movie count? Does this movie not count? Is it the director's cut that counts? Is it the original that counts? <laughs> you know, which episodes of the... T and, oh, you know, does the cartoon series count? Um, so you've got the really convoluted ones where it can be very confusing because there's not a lot of delineation. You've got the ones where there is delineation, but they don't make a big deal out of it because it's just kind of the way it always has been. Star Wars fans are reacting, freaking out 
because this is not something we're used to with our franchise. Um, but I think we have to sort of take a breath and take a step back and recognize, in a sense, two things. One, that we were unique in that sense, and because of that, um, what we're seeing now isn't anything new for sci-fi fans. We should be used to it. It just wasn't for Star Wars, um, but now it's being applied here. Take the same level of understanding we have for all those other franchises and yeah. apply it here. But second, also to recognize that, in a sense, what this new continuity is going to do is, or it should, is fulfill the promise of 1991. If the promise mm -hmm. of the EU it, at the beginning was one cohesive whole, it did that quite well at times, but there were plenty of times there were issues, especially when Lucas got back involved. Um, the, the, that's why I think you get to a point where there wasn't a lot of work done to try to explain how the two Clone Wars eras fit together, because it's kind of like when Lucas came in with the Clone Wars, they were like, my give up, my give up. <laughs> um, but now we actually have something starting that in theory could fulfill that promise in actually being cohesive because they're including Rebels and the films in these discussions as they're developing them. You know, 20 years from now, we may be getting, you know, a, a 20th anniversary special edition of John Jackson Miller's A New Dawn, and people be just as excited for that uh, and for their own 20 years of Star Wars history, you know, as EU fans up to this point have been for the history uh, as it develops um, from the Thrawn trilogy onward or from the novelization of A New Hope onward. But it's, it's, it's a point at which you either, you're, you're either going to be someone who loves it, who hates it, or who simply begrudgingly kind of ends up kind of going, yeah, whatever. Um, I can respect those who are saying, you know what, you just invalidated all these stories that I've got. And I'll tell you, I'm right there with you in a sense. I've got four book towers and another set of bookshelves um, that, that are all full of Star Wars materials. I've got four long boxes of Star Wars comics. I've got pretty much all of them, of any of them. Um, but and, I, and it feels weird to look at them now because I look at them versus my home video collection shelves, and the home video collection now feels more relevant. But the, the, that timeline is still there. It's just an alternate one. Um, and I understand you feeling as though if they don't count, I've wasted my money. Lucasfilm will no longer get any penny of money from me. Um, I can respect that. But personally, I don't agree with it. I don't see as how um, with all the promise of what could be with Star Wars now and how tightly wound it's supposed to be, I don't see as how someone who really is excited for Star Wars still can do that. And maybe that's it. Maybe it's destroyed the excitement for a lot of people um, with this announcement coming out. But to me, it's kind yeah. of one of those you know, you have to try to look on the bright side of it and if you're going to be watching the new films or you're going to be watching Rebels, at some point, aren't you going to be curious what else there is? Just like the curiosity drove us in the old EU, isn't that going to be when you pick up a book or pick up a comic? And maybe you won't buy as much or collect as much as before. Maybe you won't care. Maybe you won't pick any of it up. But it seems as though the drive that made us EU fans in the first place to want to know more beyond the films, so to speak, you would think that drive is still going to be there, even if it's been beaten up and bruised. Um, I would like to think 
that if the story group does what it's supposed to do, this is not an abusive relationship, folks. This is yeah. not we believe in something, we get beaten down, we just come back and get beaten down again and come back and get beaten down again, and it's an abusive relationship we should get out of. I think this is one of these, I'm sorry, we've just lost our job. We have to move to a new city. Our life is changing. This child is off to college, a new baby is about to be born kind of thing, where it's a major change. But if that spark of fandom is still there, change doesn't have to be negative. Change isn't negative. Change isn't positive. It can be either. All that change means fundamentally is that things are going to be different. It's kind of up to us how we want to perceive those differences. Well, the Luke books, for example. I mean, I have always been most excited about the current Luke story. You know, Luke in the now. You know, Crucible. What's coming after Crucible? Oh, what's this? We're getting a book set in the prequel trilogy, or I mean the original trilogy back in classic era. Not that fun for me. You know, going back for Razor's Edge has been a slog. I'm looking forward to Honor Among Thieves only because I've heard so many great things about it. But typically going back to these characters hasn't been fun for me. But now that third book, the Luke Skywalker book, is set in a whole new universe. It's a whole new ball game out there. So I'm like, ooh, what's this? You know, I mentioned before that, you know, Leia becoming a Jedi has been something that's always intrigued me. But we got all these new things to ponder. You know, Fett, did he live? Is he actually dead now? I mean, are they going to honor the fact that Lucas always thought he should die? Or are they going to say, you know what, we own it now and we're going to say he got out. I mean, there's those aspects as well where I'm just like, wow, you know, where are we going to go with this? Uh, you know, Yoda, uh, think about the training that he had in season six of Netflix, you know, so he could come back and train. Well, in the EU, we never got Force Yoda. He never came back beyond Return of the Jedi. So, I mean, that was something I was always curious, you know, are we going to get that? So there are plenty of things out there. You know, we, we, you talked about, you know, the – the going to the different, you know, continuity and the relevance of your old one and stuff. But I think in this regard, it, it makes it so new that I'm curious in a whole new way where I, I just I, I want to know more about it. I mean, as a Marvel fan, I've gotten used to them rebooting things a lot or, or doing similar things that make you feel like it's rebooted. You know, like Spider-Man's done the brand new day where they made a wish with the devil and everything's been changed and, and all of a sudden everything's been retconned and stuff like that where it's been very confusing. But at least in this way, it's a way I can swallow it. Uh, it's a way I can chew it and move on. I'm I, I The only thing I have a real issue with is I really wish they would have told us this months and months ago i mean I, I think about this they could have told it long enough back that honor among thieves could have been part of this other series you know i mean you know it seems to me it's easy to slap that banner on there and move forward and go either direction i mean granted you know you really think that they won't do it and, I, and you're probably right i just want to be hopeful and hope that maybe there'll be enough demand that down the road they'll go there too and, and bring back because i have enjoyed those stories and while they're not going away I still want to know what the hell was going on with Jaden Core, man. I mean, the guy got cloned for sake. I mean, what the hell was that? <laughs> I mean, so there's a lot of really cool stuff there that 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 I, I don't know. I mean, it got me, you know, and just because it's been reset and I'm looking at my bookshelf in the same regard you are. It doesn't stop me from going, you know, well, what can I do differently? Because, I mean, my bookshelf's always been a certain size. I've been collecting paperbacks because it was, you know, so big and it was only that size. But now I'm going to build a whole new bookshelf, you know. Might make it big enough that my comics can fit and stuff and do something like, you know, Eddie's done or you. I, I think you've put your comics and stuff with the books and stuff. But there's some people that have all the stuff together. And I'm like, you know, hey, this might be that time. But then there's a part of me that's like, 
you know, maybe this is the time for me to back off a little bit and let the EU kind of build up again. I I don't know. I don't know where we're going with this. This is where I get bipolar with it because I'm so excited and so trepidatious at the same time. You know, my favorite era has always been post-Return of the Jedi. You know, Karan Horn becoming a Jedi, what Luke setting up the Academy and things like that. But those things that excited me, the potential is still there to be used. You know, we talked about Quinlan Voss being brought into the Clone Wars. That's not to say that we might not eventually see the Vong show up in a whole new different way. I mean, yeah, it's cool to think about all the different things that they could bring in and make canon. I mean, you know, the old EU, the Legend Saga, they brought Lamaya back from the Marvel line. And that, in a lot of ways, is what I'm seeing here. You know, when Marvel lost the license and a lot of that stuff became S canon and slowly got brought back into C canon, in that regard, the D canon is going to do the same thing with, as they call it, mining the EU, mining the Legends universe. And that excites me. I mean, you know, I mean, because it's a, it's a, touch, a, a touch, a taste of things that I know and yet it's completely brand new in a way that gets me just jazzed. I mean, you know, the Infinities comics, when they came out and Luke died in the second one and Leia took up the mantle, I mean, I was excited. I kind of was bummed the fact that they didn't explore those little off-universes more. I mean, gone back and done a couple more Infinities series. That would have been cool. You know, I mean, so, I don't know. I go back and forth. I'm very bipolar on this, as I'm sure many a few other Star Wars fans are, especially when you've invested thousands of dollars into that saga. You know, that 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 coining phrase that we were always told of how it's an official canon, it's official continuity. You know, this counts, even though George was always saying opposite. I mean, I, I, I just go back and forth. You know, we've covered this really well. Um, you know, my final thoughts on this, you know, the stories that change the most that me that I'm, I'm curious, are they going to come back? Fett, of course, being one. But the whole Dark Empire twist, you know, I mean, will we see Luke do a fall to the dark side now? I mean, I remember, you know, Lucas originally had talked about, you know, the first ones were the the fall of the father and the son redeeming the father and then the father redeeming the son, which we had kind of like a touch of the hat with Ben being redeemed by Luke. But I mean, shoot, we might actually see something like that more similar in those, you know, those uh touches that Lucas gave them with the script and stuff when he first gave it to him. I don't know. It's It's so crazy. And it's. By making it and establishing it the way we've talked about wanting, you know, be clear with us. They've been pretty dang clear, and I can respect that. I can hate it at the same time, but I can respect it, and I like where we're moving forward. I like the the, the end of the division. You know, as an EU fan, always feeling like it was, it was a, you, you know, your stuff doesn't count. It, it's secondary. It's not real. You know, now it, it exists in its own universe, and yeah, while that can feel like it's dead – that universe exists, you know, I mean, granted for fans like me and you, Nathan, that have read it, it's harder to go back and reread it. But at the same time, all my favorite Star Wars books are the ones I've reread the most. So, you know, going back and, and finding which of those original EU, those legendary books, those legends novels out there are your favorites can be a lot of fun. You know, I mean, go back there and reread I Jedi. It's a really good one. Star by Star, Traitor, you know, Stover's Revenge of the Sith. I mean, there's so many good books out there that are just waiting to be reread. And, you know, as we've said, the EU as it stood, it did try very well to connect. And when it did connect, it, those were the books that really were hitting. And thinking about the fact, you know, when you have books like Kenobi and Lucino that really hit those points and knowing that we've got authors that did that and they're moving forward into this new genre where it all counts, 
that leaves me feeling a little confident. You know, I mean, granted, characters like Jaina Solo, my daughter who's named after, is gone at the moment and may not ever be canon again. That does leave a foul taste in my mouth, but I'm also confident with the future. Yeah, a lot of, of, of thoughts to jump off of that. Um, wow, let's see. Uh, let's see. That's what happens when I'm taking notes as I'm, uh, as I'm listening to what he's saying. Um, I, the unanswered question is kind of an interesting thing. The questions that get asked again in a lot of ways. Uh, he mentioned, you know, does Boba Fett actually survive? Or is it now that Boba Fett does indeed die? Because remember, even the Marvel comics, the original Marvel comics, had Boba Fett survive his fall into the Sarlacc pit. It's just that he comes out and then Han knocks him back into it again in Jawas of Doom, the very first post-Return of the Jedi comic. So, what's the fate of Boba Fett? What about those lines in the prequels and in the Clone Wars about how the Republic has stood for a thousand years as opposed to 25,000. Does that change? Um, in the Clone Wars, they refer to the Old Republic, and when they refer to the Old Republic, they're in what we think of as the Old Republic. So, like, for instance, you know, I took this dark saber from the Jedi Temple during the time of your Old Republic. Well, what? What are they talking about? Maybe we get an answer to that. Um, Luke Van Horn, I believe it was, uh, brought up the question, do we even know what the time span between the films are anymore? I mean, right now, you've got uh, The Phantom Menace at 32 years prior to, well, approximately, <laughs> 32 years prior to the events of A New Hope, and then you jump basically 10 years and a month, give or take, um, to get to Attack of the Clones. Then you jump three years, almost to the day, to get Revenge of the Sith. 19 years to get to A New Hope, three years, approximately, it's a month difference, uh, after that to get to Empire Strikes Back, and then one year, actually more like nine months, to jump between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. But are those still what they are supposed to be, or what we've grown up thinking they're supposed to be? Presumably that's something they won't mess with, but they might, for all that we know. Who knows if my in-universe calendar date for Return of the Jedi still stands? As far as, you know, is it really four years after A New Hope or really one year after Empire Strikes Back? Because when it comes to months, they don't even match. Hell, maybe that whole idea of an in-universe calendar that's digital at all is simply gone anyway. How many months will there be in a year? Who the hell knows at this point? Um, what about the Sith, right? Was there ever a Sith Order now prior to the one in which Vader and Palpatine are part? The so-called new Sith. Are they the only Sith? Is it goodbye? to any kind of ancient version of that. Are the Sith now only a philosophy, or is there even such a thing as a Sith species at all mm -hmm. anymore? Uh, Starkiller, there was input by Lucas into the Force Unleashed games. Will he, does he play a role in the formation of the, Rebe the Rebel Alliance anymore? Does he even exist? Uh, Darth Plagueis, we were shocked to find, and spoiler for part of the Darth Plagueis novel, but it's been a while since it's been out, um, we were shocked to find that Darth Plagueis still was alive all the way up through a big chunk of the Phantom Menace. And it was during that that Palpatine finally killed him. So for a while, it was Plagueis over Palpatine, Palpatine over Maul, Plagueis viewing Maul as a tool, and Sidious viewing Maul as sort of a temporary apprentice until he found something better, but definitely an apprentice to go up against uh, Plagueis eventually. What about after the Return of the Jedi film? Will there be, you know, in, in the original country, was an alliance of free planets? And then you had the New Republic, and then the Galactic Alliance. Are any of those names ever going to be used again? And as Mark brought up, will any of the children 
exist the way that they did? What have, likely no Ben, no Jaina, no Jason, no Anakin solo that is you know what happens from there do we do they wind up with kids are these names ever going to be used again you know it sucks for me uh just like with mark if my wife and i ever have a son the intention is to name him cade based on cade skywalker well cade skywalker is now part of that legends continuity um uh, other things emerge but just we kind of have to get used to when it comes to the idea of questions that you know there are going to be a bunch of unanswered questions from the Legends continent, from the original EU. We have no idea if they ever tracked down Avaloth to totally wipe her out and the Dagger of Mortis thing. You know, how does Fel create the Empire, as Mark mentioned, or create the new version of the Empire that we see uh, in the legacy books and so on? It's just, there's going to be a lot of unanswered questions, and we have to simply get used to that. Our franchise, like any other, is not going to tie up every single loose end. We also have to get used to asking old questions over again. For the longest time, will Luke set up the new Jedi? You know, he's the last of the Jedi, and Obi-Wan said, first of the new. What does that mean? Is he setting up a school? Who's going to be? Well, now we re-ask re those questions and re-answer them, so to speak, all over again. Um, we also have to get used to the idea there is an entirely new nomenclature out there. No longer will there probably be a need, at least to start with, for the ideas of G, T, C, S, and N canon. Um, there'll probably be stuff that's non-canonical, like... You know, little kids games and stuff, or mobile games and that sort of thing. And there'll be stuff that's in the continuity. And that's pretty much it. We're back to canon and non-canon. And while canon is a term in Star Wars that's been misused and, and used in different ways so many times, it's probably still going to leave some confusion for a lot of people. Um, imagine getting to a point where finally the only distinction that need be made is in or out. How much simpler, more straightforward, and more user-friendly... Uh, is that going to be? I actually feel, you, know, you say you're, you're optimistic because of uh, people like James Lucino writing for the new uh, the new version of the continuity, this new timeline. And I'm excited by it too because I like Lucino's works for the most part. Uh, really dig John Jackson Miller's works, um, mm -hmm. Paul S. Kemp's works. I almost feel as though they are, whew, they're in a rough position because not only do they have to have the, the, the restart in their hands, but they almost would have to restrain themselves from doing a lot of referencing like they tend to do because a lot of the things that they might feel the urge to reference no longer exist. Or if they <laughs> or do they're it, like, let's get together, guys. What do we want to bring over? <laughs> ex exactly. They have to figure out what's going to be brought over because if they reference it, all of a sudden it starts showing up. And we as fans have to remember the same old rule of thumb from the old days of Star Wars continuity when it was just canon or non-canon and that was it or in continuity, out of continuity, and that was it. And there was the list going on. That just because something gets mentioned in a new canonical novel, that does not necessarily mean that every story with that person gets brought over. Just like, um, just because Quinlan Voss is in Hunt for Zero in the Clone Wars, doesn't mean all of his stories in Republic get dragged into the new continuity. Just because they maybe reference a particular planet, doesn't mean that every story with that planet or everything we know about the planet gets carried over. Apparently now Ryloth is no longer tide-locked and never was, for yeah. instance. Aurora Singh has lost her Force abilities yeah, it's, at the moment. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's a multiverse. It's an alternate universe, an alternate timeline, but this is the one that's taking precedence. Um, you know, we, we are going through crisis on infinite coruscants here, basically. <laughs> um, the, the, the multiverse is shifting and such in this case, and we're only now starting to realize how much of it there is. So I guess it's the reverse of crisis on infinite earths. Yeah, um, instead of Marvel 616, we're switching over to another Marvel. <laughs> essentially, yeah. Um, my concern 
in all of this, uh, or a big concern in all of this, is whether or not the first books will feel generic because they don't have continuity to build from. Will they reference each other enough to feel as though they are a cohesive whole, or at least the foundation of one? We have Tarkin, which should be interesting, but seems like it's more of a classic trilogy era thing. Lords of the Sith presumably is either classic trilogy era or slightly before sometime uh, within that dark times gap. Heir to the Jedi would appear to be something, um, I, I guess it's either after A New Hope or be after um, Return of the Jedi. It's hard. I, I haven't looked into it enough. I just know that it's a, a first person one off the top of my head. I kind of hope it's right after Empire Strikes Back. That's true. Could be. Um, and you get John Jackson Miller's A New Dawn that is meant to be essentially a lead up to an origin story for some of the characters that we're going to see in Rebels. Um, we have to just kind of give it some time. Um, I know personally I've had to sort of take stock of what does this mean for me, and then I want to ask the same question of Mark. You know, what does this mean for him specifically? Um, for me, I continue collecting. I may look at the collections a little bit different, but unless I intend to just sell off my entire Star Wars collection at this point, it just goes on from here. It just goes on with stuff that is now part of this new continuity and probably gets a new chunk of the bookshelf for this new continuity. And if there's stuff that I'm still missing from before... I'll go and pick it up. I have to wonder now whether or not on places like eBay, if we're going to start to see the prices of older EU stuff skyrocket as people start to grab it before it's out of print, or if it's going to wind up plummeting because people say, screw it, this doesn't matter anymore. Anyway, it should be an interesting dynamic to keep track of. Um, so for my collection, it keeps going. Uh, my videos, uh, my reviews and stuff for the Fantasy Flight game stuff continue, that because that's not directly affected by this at all. Um, from the Star Wars home video library, definitely continuing, going to look at stuff, uh, eventually not just, you know, like the Lego Star Wars stuff as it's on home video, but also look at stuff like, hopefully, somebody doing a real comparison between all of the versions of the Star Wars films the way I did with the Clone Wars cuts, but who knows how long that would take or when I'd be able to actually get into that. Um, from the Star Wars library, the one that is book and comic based, that I don't know. Um, part of me is thinking... Why continue a series based on a continuity that people may find irrelevant, that others well, may be wistful for, but at the same time... Can I interject real quick? Yeah. The only reason why I really think you should is that I truly think, as they did with the original databank, down the road they're going to scrap all of this, and you're going to be the only one left that has a encyclopedia that says what is what. Because you know, if, if like you said, they do not continue to do anything new with Legends... After a while, I see no reason why they wouldn't just be like, well, it's time to start a new holocron, new databank, and all this stuff, and just cast that other stuff off to the side. And when they do, fandom is going to need a site like your site as a place to go to know what in the hell happened. Well, I mean, with, with, from the Star Wars library, though, it's so much more of sort of a, this is how the continuity developed, that I don't know, it almost would need to be rechristened almost for, for Legends or something, because it, fe put it this way. Uh, there's a lot of ignorance and anonymous hater douchebags online. Lots and lots of those. And that series already gets a lot of flack from the, yeah, it's EU, it doesn't count anyway, ha ha, kind of stuff. You know, and of course, mm. you got the little idiots out there who, anytime you see anything that is Star Wars related or sci fi related and there's a, a tale about it, you just get the stupid stuff. Um, how many times have I gone on there and simply removed the nerd comments, which I'm like, and? 
uh, or <laughs> virgin kind of crap on there to go back and, and remove. I, I'm so tempted sometimes to post a picture of my wife alongside that so that they can cry. <laughs> um, they can, but I, I don't want to provide them with tube sock material. Um, sorry. Uh, so as far as, as that goes, I don't know if that series is going to continue or not. It probably will. It may, I guess if it does, the big shift would be that unlike what I'm doing with the stuff right now, where, for instance, I did all the Han Solo books separately instead of as a group and the Thrawn trilogy books separately instead of as a group, um, I would probably lump those together in trilogies or duologies and hit them at once to get through things faster. Um, Because while publishing time may make a difference in some cases in terms of which book is published when in relation to something else, um, I think you can still get the same type of insight out of them as whole you know, story arcs and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know. It, it may change. It may go on indefinite hiatus while I work on other things. I don't know. Probably what's going to happen is at the beginning of summer, I'll knock out at least Last Command so the Thrawn trilogy stuff is done, but then I may just kind of do kind of a quick informational one that, that puts it on hold. I don't know yet. Uh, my Star Wars Timeline Gold will continue. I'm right now working on trying to figure out how it's going to have to be altered. Either there'll be a fifth document as part of it that is the new continuity, or I may make that a separate fifth document, but then do something where maybe some of the other documents get merged, um, depending on whether or not Microsoft Word or Acrobat choke. If I tried to, for instance, put the Volume 2 pre-A New Hope stuff and the, or sorry, the Volume 1 pre-A New Hope stuff or the Volume 2 A New Hope and Onward stuff into one file again actually works without the whole thing you know, just, just not being able to be edited because it, it causes Word to crash, which is why I split it in, uh, in the first place. Um, Podcast-wise, we keep going. Beyond the Films keeps going, talking about uh, legend stuff and modern stuff that we may need to start uh, labeling them. Uh, Rebels Roundtable, of course, is just now getting off the ground, keeps going. Um, I don't see the podcasting itself being directly affected or the Facebook pages and stuff being directly uh, affected. I guess the biggest thing for me... Outside of the fandom projects, though, is, uh, and I, I know people out there going like, man, you just don't understand. You're, you're thinking of this as multiple timelines, and you're being all optimistic and stuff, but, but you don't understand. All this stuff I loved is gone. You know what? If you're talking about from the new timeline, then yeah, all that stuff is gone. It's relegated to an alternate timeline status, but whereas you've lost some stuff you've read, and so have I, I've lost some stuff I've created, and it's gone. The dates from the Essential Atlas, possibly the date for Return of the Jedi, um, the character named after me by Jeremy Barlow, Chrono Relt, um, the backstory of the DC-0052 intergalactic speeder from uh, Revenge of the Sith, uh, my story equals and opposites, so Imperial Lieutenant Palin, Tarneel of the Peace Brigade, the planet Ord Cedra, gone. I get it. And I can only imagine how some people out there like Kevin J. Anderson must be feeling at this moment, who created a hell of a lot more than I could ever have dreamed of contributing to the saga. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you have to you gotta take the intellectually honest approach. It, was, it could have happened. It was always possible to happen. Any EU always exists at the sufferance of the copyright holder and their desire for what is the higher level of reality. It's just that now... The switch has actually been flipped. You spend all the time, it's like, in in a lot of ways, it's like the Cold War. You spend all your time worrying about nuclear war, hoping they never flip the switch because it's mutually assured destruction. And now, we spend a lot of time hoping they don't ever flip the switch 
and reboot the continuity, which is essentially what they're doing, um, and they have. And it may well wind up being, for a time, mutually assured destruction. It may well be that a lot of fans say, screw it, they've hurt me, they've hurt this continuity that I loved, I'm gone. And it may wind up costing them on the business end with money and perhaps people's outcry, um, making them not feel as though they can give Rebels uh, or the sequel trilogy a fair shake on their websites and in reviews and things like that. But I'd like to think that unlike a nuclear war that could leave the planet freaking uninhabitable in nuclear winter, that this is something that, like anything else, this too shall pass, and we'll find that fandom survives even this. We've survived a lot. We will survive this. But we may find that some are leaving and, we'll, and that new blood will be what winds up keeping the fan community strong. I guess my question to the, the audience out there is, you know, what kind of Star Wars fan are you? I don't believe there's such a thing as a true fan. I think everybody has their own kind of fandom and everybody measures it in their own way. But I guess it's a time to decide. Are you a fan more of the films and you want to see where this goes and you want to just enjoy more Star Wars experiences, which may have made you more open to, say, the Clone Wars, for instance? Or are you someone who is so beholden and so tied into one version of that continuity that you don't want to even give a chance to something new, even if it could wind up being something better. I would think that of all people to be beholden and connected to that previous continuity and not want to see it go, I'd be one of those guys with my timeline going on. And people like Eddie Vanderheiden, Joe Bongiorno, uh, Rob Mullen, and so on. Um, I'm willing to give it a shot, but I'm not sure if that would have been my mindset 10 years ago. Um, we just got to kind of have to stop and do a little bit of self-exploration. Uh, and we've got I guess until September to really decide what do we intend to do about this. Um, are we still Star Wars fans? Are we still Star Wars fans beyond the films or not? Yeah, you know, I always said Sea Level Canon was my favorite place, and that was because it incorporated everything Star Wars. It looked beyond George's limited vision, and now we've got a universe that's going to go forward with that. For me, I, I'm still going to follow. You know, I'm, I'm going to create a new bookshelf. Uh, you know, I'm going to move forward in that direction, uh, you know, have it sitting next to the other one. I mean, my bookshelf right now, it was one that was back to back. And so I've got it split like you've seen in the pictures, you know, it's in the corner. So, I mean, it's easy enough for me in that regard to have a second one just a paperbacks if I wanted to continue that. But I, I there's a part of me that's really thinking I'm going to build a new bookshelf for this. Uh, but. When it comes to, you know, where I was 10 years ago in my fandom, I'm not going to go ape Sith crazy and buy everything. I'm definitely going to regulate what I'm buying more. Uh, you know, I know I'm going to probably be buying some of the toys and stuff like that. It's something me and my son, we bond over. And my littlest daughter, Jane, she really bonds over. Taylor kind of enjoys some of it, but it's really not her thing as much. Uh, you know, I tried there for a while to get her to kind of really enjoy it. But my mom and my sister kind of bullied that with Star Wars isn't for girls. But Jane, she's loving it. She's really enjoying all the Star Wars clones and stuff, just like her brother. Uh, you know, in Rebels, it's got me interested with the Jedi characters and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I'm curious to see where it goes there. I admit, though, I'm not a big fan of the Stormtrooper armor. Uh, you know, after the Clone Wars and stuff, that armor was so sick. The, the new armor on the Stormtroopers just doesn't quite do it for me. But beyond that, you know, I, I'm just looking forward to this whole new world of things. You know, the, all the new potential and stuff is really exciting. Uh, the podcasting side, yeah, we probably will have to uh, kind of revamp a few things 
Uh, you know, I mean, we won't be just limited to the EU anymore. We will, as we always been, be beyond the films, which the EU always was. Uh, but, you know, it will have to be one of those things where we clarify as the two continuities come out, which, again, I think I think that allows us, you know, we the podcasters, we the second airborne division of of, of fans out there, you know, it's, it's on us to kind of help you know, usher in that new direction with the people that don't know the differences between the two universes and those that would be quick to turn their back on the Legends universe. Because, you know, I mean, that's over 350 some books there, you know, and that's not including all the other type of role material stuff and the insider magazines, the short stories and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's so much world building out there, you know, and even though that was going on, people were still out there doing their fan fictions and stuff like that. That stuff's not going to go away. And now, you know, you, those of you working on your fan fiction, it should be easier for you because the universe won't be continuing to shift underneath your feet. You finally have a universe that's set solid that you can go and play in. I mean, here's your Minecraft have at it. Uh, but yeah, again, with the podcasting things, you know, I mean, we're just going to continue on, uh, you know, we'll continue doing the stuff we do, sharing the love of the things we have and pondering many things. I mean, you know, like, like I asked before, you know, the fact that these books are all coming out every two months. I mean, you know, does that, does that strike you? Like, you know, maybe we're going to see a big, you know, build up here where, where that's going to be something we're going to continue to get more of. I mean, right now it's literally every two months, these four books, uh, do you think like after March and into April, you know, we're going to see one in May and then come in July and uh, you think they're going to continue doing that every two months all year round? Nate? You know, I don't know. It should be interesting if they were to do that. I think right now it's kind of just trying to get things out to start with and really get things revved up. But I can remember, you know, there was a time uh, back before I was online or anything where, you know, I would go into the bookstores you know, every couple of weeks, always checking to see what's new. Mm-hmm. And it did feel like during the, the early Bantam era that certainly there were more Star Wars books to find more often than it feels like a lot of times there are now. Possibly because, you know, just being a kid, I didn't think of time in the same way as a working adult. Um, but certainly, you know, it, it's nice to think that there's a relatively steady stream that's going to be coming for a while. Well, another thing, you know, in that video where they had John Jackson Miller, Timothy Zahn was there. I mean, it wouldn't be too far-fetched to see Zahn be maybe the May novel. It's going to be interesting to see where they go and what kind of new blood also that they bring into this, uh, aside from Hearn, who is sort of the the oddball in that he was originally writing for one continuity and now writing something different. makes you think that probably what he was writing, even in the beginning, was probably much more like Razor's Edge and, and Honor Among Thieves, and then it probably didn't really connect to much of anything. Well, and that's one of those things we pondered before about how, you know, the Empire and Rebellion series and even, you know, Brian Wood's Star Wars Volume 2 could have easily been this new one. Kind of, you know, we dodged a bullet there with Brian Wood. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I posted the uh, uh, the mental picture on, I think it was my timelines page of basically uh, uh, you got uh, the new continuity uh, as as an individual, maybe even di- even Mickey Mouse uh, in his big old <laughs> shoes there, and uh, Brian Wood's Star Wars Volume Two is on the ground, curled up into a fetal ball, getting the Sith kicked out of it. And over to the side, there's the uh, uh, beaten and bruised original continuity of things after A New Hope, uh, looking down at Brian Wood's Star Wars Volume Two, going, "Oh, now you like that? Now, biatch." <laughs> Oh, yes, Mickey, Mickey, Mickey. 
Now that about wraps up this episode of Star Wars Beyond the Films. We'd like to thank you once again for hanging around with us as we ponder on sharing our fandom. Remember, you can always listen to our episodes streaming online at the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division, at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes are also available on Zoom, Stitcher, and on iTunes, which we always encourage you to leave us a review while you're at it. You can find links to our episodes on both Twitter and our Facebook page at SWBeyondFilms, or just type in Star Wars Beyond the Films in the search bar. Hey, but no matter how you get there, be sure to like our page. It's one of the best ways to interact with us, our own home one, if you will. Not only can you post comments to us about the show, we love interacting with you fellow fans. So if you have any Star Wars and or EU Legends questions, or you just want to comment about a past episode, fire off. You can email us directly at swbeyondfilms at starwarsfanworks.com. That's right, and of course, you can check out my Star Wars Timeline Gold's Facebook page, where a lot of this is being discussed. Facebook.com slash SWTimelineGold. And of course, we have now launched the first episode, uh, probably more by the time you hear this, of that uh, end cap epilogue encore of Republic Forces Radio Network that is also the prelude leading into Rebels Roundtable, along with some of those little uh, miniature special episodes just in the new feed, just on StarSport.com, um, for Rebels Roundtable. A little quick uh, getting-to-know-us interview bits uh, with folks like Jonathan, me, Mark, all the members of the team and such, uh, with our first encore episode slash prelude episode being our look back at the uh, Order 66 arc from Clone Wars Season 6. For that, you can go to simply rebelsroundtable.com. It'll send you to the right part of starwarsreport.com. Just redirect you to the right place. You can also check out Rebels Roundtable on Facebook. It is facebook.com slash rebelsroundtable for the Star Wars Report's Rebels Roundtable. And then on Twitter, at Rebels Round. We're being much more interactive uh, through social media this time than RFRN ever was. So get in on the ground floor of that new show. But episodes are out, and by the time you hear this episode, the RSS feed the and the iTunes feed will probably be active. We're waiting to have a few episodes ready to go to make sure we've got everything in line before we activate that feed. Um, so if it's not available the moment you guys are hearing this episode, it will be very, very soon. Yes, but- join us for the prelude to Rebellion. Without the weird family issues. <laughs> Now, lastly, before we go, we wanted to mention to you our Audible trial. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash starwarsreport, you get a free trial run of audible.com from our sponsors to see what they're all about. Our sponsors have more than 100,000 titles. You can explore the Star Wars expanding universe, the legends, or any other genre, or the canon of Star Wars as it starts coming out. And if you get stuck with a book you flat out hate, you can exchange it because Audible members can exchange any book within 12 months with no questions asked. So in this digital age, if you're thinking of making the switch from the page to the audiobook, Audible just might be right for you. So, once again, for Stars Beyond the Films, this has been Mark and Whistler. And Nathan. Saying thanks for listening and may the force be with you. And don't notice the odds of just about anything right now. Yeah, because I still... I'm, I'm banking on that long odd right there. Come on, legacy. You know, legends, I want some sort of the Jedi. No soup for you.